from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I remain the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life, saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make every crooked path straight, repent and turn to God, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we looked at the importance of faith and why we have to teach it. And when, we, when we're doing that, we considered um, the fact that faith is the basis for doing anything in the kingdom of God. We noted also that faith, that, that is without faith, we cannot please God. You can, you can give money, you can do whatever, but it does, that doesn't please God. The way to please God is to live by faith. We also said that faith is how we are saved from eternal judgment uh, uh, by God, by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also noted that for all those who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is how they live their lives henceforth. Because the Bible says that just shall live by faith. We also noted that God looks at faith in a believer. It is, it is what he looks for in a believer. So, and when he sees it, he, 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 he is pleased because the Bible says that without faith you cannot please God. God is pleased by the faith of his children, the faith they have in him. If it is, and then we also know that if it is not from faith, if whatever you are doing does not emanate from faith, does not originate in faith, or from faith, then it is sin. It is wrong as far as God is concerned. God does not accept it. And so it's important that we understand that God regards faith in high esteem. Then we also noted that it is how we obtain things from God. We cannot obtain things from God any other way. It is by faith, by believing him, no doubting, nothing. We just believe God by faith and we receive things from him. And then even when we pray, the prayer must be the prayer of faith. The Bible says, tells us that it is the prayer of faith that brings, uh, uh, that brings healing to the sick. It is the prayer of faith that brings salvation and deliverance to them that need it. Now, when we were concluding um, in our last broadcast, we noted that the true impact, the true import, the true significance of the teaching on faith is in its application in everyday living. So in our broadcast today, we, we, we want to look at how to live by faith on a daily basis. Or put differently, we want to look at faith in application. How do I as a Christian live my life by faith in this world that I find myself in? I'll begin at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. When he, that is Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. From this uh, short a few, few verses of scripture, there are some things that we want to note about faith in daily application. Number one, 
this, this leper took a very big risk in going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in a crowded place. Because in, in Israel at that time, when a man has leprosy, he must announce that a leper is coming by saying, unclean, unclean, and he must cover his mouth with his hands and then announce that he's unclean, since he will shout, unclean, unclean. So people will get out of the way because leprosy is quite contagious. So for this man to have approached the Lord Jesus Christ with the multitudes around him, he took a big risk. So faith can be risky. But it is not just a risk that you take casually. It is a, it is a risk that you take in God. And therefore, it can be considered a calculated risk. So faith is a risk that you take, but you know whom you have believed in. Paul, I think, wrote in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He said, look, I am not, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of what I'm going through. I'm, 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 I, I know that God is able to take care of uh, everything that is put in his hand. He said, I am fully persuaded. I know whom I have believed in. And I'm fully persuaded that he is able to take care of everything that is committed into his hands until the very end. So he was saying essentially that I have put my life in the hands of God. I have taken that risk because I know in whom, the one in whom I have put my life, my, my, my life into his hands. That he's more than able to take care of that. Now, this, so the first thing about living a life of faith is that you must make, you, you cannot be afraid of taking risks, especially risks in God, and say you are going to live by faith. You cannot. Faith requires that you recognize that what you are doing can be risky, but it is a calculated risk and it is in God. And because it is in God, you cannot fail. You are not making a mistake at all. Now, the second thing that we note about this leper, besides the fact that he took a risk, is we find it in the statement he made, not necessarily in the fact that he worshipped the Lord, which is, I mean, is, is a given. But in the fact that he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The, one of the things that we want to note about faith is that you must know the ability of God. This leper was not in any doubt about the ability of God. Because he said, I, 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 the, 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 um, the New King James, which I'm reading, says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. He was not doubting the ability of God. You cannot live by faith and doubt the ability of God. You must trust the ability of God that God is able to do what he says he will do or he can do. Secondly, we see here that he started by saying, listen, in the New King James says, Lord, if you are willing, I think in the Old King James it says, I, 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 I think something to the fact that I know thou canst if thou wilt make me. I know that thou canst make me whole if thou wilt or something. So what was he saying there? He said, I know that you can do this. The only thing that I am not sure is, is it your will? Are you willing to do it? So what do we derive there? You must recognize the sovereignty of God, the willingness or otherwise of God. If God is unwilling to do something, if God does not want to do something, you can't force him to do it. So you must recognize the sovereignty of God over 
your, 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 your situation, your circumstance. And in recognizing the sovereignty of God, you therefore commit your entire life into his hands, into his will. If it is his will, it will be done. So we don't doubt the ability of God. What we want to know is, Lord, is it your will? Is it your will? The Lord Jesus, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, 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 he made it clear, he said, I know that you are able to get me out of this thing, but not my will, your will be done. So he, we must, in uh, living out faith practically, we must recognize that we're taking a risk, but it's a risk in God, so it's a fantastic risk to take in, and you're not, you not going to fail. Secondly, we must know the ability of God. We must know that God is able to do what he says he will do, or what he says he can do, that everything that we have heard about God from the scriptures, from the Bible, he is able to do. God can do absolutely anything he wants to do. However, we must ameliorate that with the understanding of the sovereignty of God. That when it comes to his will, it is up to him whether he wants to do it or not. Because in, take, in looking at the will of God, God takes cognizance not only of you as an individual, but he takes cognizance of the bigger picture. The Lord Jesus Christ would have been delivered from going through the cross. But the father looked at the bigger picture. What was the bigger picture? The salvation of you and I. The salvation of children yet to be born. The salvation of mankind in, in, in its entirety. In Mark chapter 5, verse 27 and uh, 27 to 29. Mark 5, 27 to 29. is the story of the uh, woman who with the issue of blood. And this woman, that is, this woman was menstruating non-stop for 12 years. She had, she had been to doctors and she, she grew worse. But in verse um, 27, the Bible says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and taught his garment. She heard about Jesus. She had not seen him per se, but she heard about him. She heard about what he could do. She heard about the ability that was in him, based on, of course, the fact that he was the son of God. So she heard about him. And then went, she took a calculated risk. In verse 28, she says, For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She, she kept repeating it to herself. This is how we practically live out faith. We must repeat it in our hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know that God can do this. I am not in doubt because... As you, are, as you are seeking to take that step of faith, to risk it all on God, there is a voice from Satan trying to discourage you, trying to, 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 to send doubt, fear, and unbelief into you. And so you must keep repeating it. This woman kept saying it to herself. If only I can touch the hem of his garment. There were crowds around. They could easily have, 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 have stoned her because of the, the, the issue that was coming around. She was not supposed to be in the assembly of people. But she took that risk and went on ahead and kept saying to herself, All I need is to touch the clothes of this man of God. The clothes of, this, of, of, of the Son of God. All I need is to touch Jesus and I'll be made well. And in spite of the crowd, she kept at it. She kept at it until she touched him. 
In verse 28, the, the 29, the Bible says, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I don't want to go beyond that. Her faith brought her healing. Her faith made her take the risks that she was willing to take. That look, I am putting, I know that all I need to do is to touch the hem of his garment, and I'll be made well. So we must be willing to take risks when we are, when we say we are living by faith. We cannot be living by faith and not be willing. We, we, we want to we want everything to be to be delivered on a platter. No, 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 no. You must be willing to take risks. And then you must never doubt the ability of God. Read the Bible. Know everything about what God can do. And know that God can do absolutely anything. Don't, put, don't doubt at all. However, recognize also that God is sovereign. And if it is his will, he will do it. But if it is going to work contrary to his will, he will not do it. So recognize the sovereignty of God. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, from verse 5 to verse 13, from verse 5 to verse 13, uh, the story of the centurion who had come to the Lord Jesus Christ and told him that his servant was, was, was uh, ill and, and that he needed uh, healing for his servant. And as the Lord said, okay, let me go. He said, no, 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 no. I, he said, sir, you don't need to come. I am a man under authority of Caesar. And because I'm under the authority of Caesar, I can say to this soldier, go here, go there, or come back and do this, and, and they will obey. He said, now, in other words, he said, I know that you, you are under the authority of the Father. And because you're under the authority of the Father, the illness of my servant is under your authority. You can say to that illness to go, and it will go. And the Lord Jesus, of course, praised him for that act of faith. Now, what does that mean? If you are going to practically live out your faith on a daily basis, you must recognize that God has authority over everything, over everyone, over any circumstance. That must never be in doubt to you. By the grace of God, I'm, 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 I'm trusting the Lord that he will grant us access to be able to talk about the killers of faith. Because those three things I mentioned earlier, doubt, unbelief, and fear, are major killers of faith. That is how faith is destroyed in people's lives. We must never for one second doubt the authority of God over everything and over everyone. The moment you allow that doubt into your life, you are going to get into trouble. Because then what is happening is that it will come and completely kill your faith to be able to believe God, that God can do things. In John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you believe this? Do you believe that the Word was God? There are people who are still struggling about Jesus as God. And it is Jesus the Bible is talking about here when he uses the word, the Word. He says, Jesus was the Word. From the beginning. He was with God in the beginning when the world was created. He was, and he himself is God. In verse 2 it says, he was in the beginning with God. From the very beginning with God. So it's not, he was not created. He was not created. He's God. Equal in power with the Father. But you see, there are many things we cannot understand as, as, as human beings. But we must accept what the Bible says. And that's what the Bible says. In verse 3 it says, all things, note the word all, not some things, all, not a few things, not well, a great number of things. With that exception, all things were made through him and without him, 
Nothing was made that was made, including the devil. Satan was made. So there is nothing that God does not have authority over. God has authority over presidents. He has authority over, over nations. He has authority over decisions of men, decisions of judiciary, and so on and so forth. Have that firmly at the back of your mind. That God has authority over these things. And that he can do whatever he pleases to do. He can do it in your favor. He can do it in favor of any other person. So you must believe that absolutely you cannot have doubt in your hearts when you are putting your trust in God. In John chapter 3 verse 16, we know the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was love, the love of God that made the love of God for mankind that made him send Jesus Christ to come and pay the supreme price for sin by dying for sin, on account of sin, for mankind. So what does that mean here? It means that you must trust the love of God. Trust that God loves you. Look, because God loves you, he is not going to keep any good thing from you. And if for any reason, you are not getting what you are trusting God for. It is not because he doesn't love you. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that God does not love you. It is Satan that will tell you that God doesn't love you. But God loves you. He loves you even though you may not have been born again as I'm speaking to you now. But his love is still there. And all he wants is for you to trust him. Trust that love that is not going to do you harm. It's not going to do you hurt. And that he wants to do the best that he has for you. So you put your trust in him. In Matthew chapter 19 from verse 16, we read the story of the young rich ruler who came to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he told him, you know the commandments, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do this, do this, do this, and so on and so forth. He said, but I've kept the commandments from my childhood. The Bible knows that Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. And said to him, one thing is lacking. Go and sell all that you possess. Give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. But the fellow left sad because he had great possessions. And like I always say, actually his possessions had him. So he couldn't give them up. But the point I'm trying to draw here is that the Lord loved him so much. He had to tell him the truth. This is your problem. This is the problem with many of us who say we are Christians. We don't believe that God can love us so much that he will tell us the truth about what we must give up. The Bible says, who God loves, he chastens, he disciplines. Every child that God will accept, he will discipline. I cannot understand how believers can think that because they are facing the discipline of God, the chastening of God, that it is, it is because God hates them. No, it is because God actually loves them. It is the love of God that makes God to discipline us. So when we talk of faith in application, we must recognize that when we have done something wrong, the love of God will be there to put us right. The Lord told David, I think that, that, that must have been in Second Samuel, I believe it, it is, uh, chapter 7, I think, verse uh, 14 to 16, thereabout. When he was telling uh, David that, no, you will not build 
a, 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 a house for me. Your son will build a house for me. But then he now said to David, he said, you see this, your son, when he misbehaves, I will cane him with a whip of men. That is, I will discipline him, but I will not remove my mercy from him as I did for Saul, uh, on Saul, who came before you. So the reason why Saul could not found a place for repentance and died in his sin was because the mercy of God was not upon him. So we must recognize the love of God and his mercy. And that was why David wrote in, the, in, in Psalm 23. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was confident of the love of God. Very confident of the love of God. So that even when he sinned, as recorded in Psalm 51, he went to God because he knows that God loves him. We cannot have faith and, and have trepidation. When I use the word fear, and I'm talking of trepidation. I'm talking of fright. And be frightened of God. No! We have reverence for God. We have respect for God. But we know that because we know that he loves us. He doesn't want to do us harm. No. He wants, he wants the best for you and I. So when you are living out faith in practical terms, you must understand that God loves you. That whatever it is that is happening to you, God still loves you. He does not hate you. He doesn't want to kill you. It is Satan that keeps talking as if, oh, God hates you. That's why you are going through this. God does not hate you. God actually loves you. And if you put your trust in him, knowing that he loves you, he will soon get you out of that. In Acts chapter 14, from verse 21 to verse 22, the Bible tells us how the, the, the apostles, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas, after preaching, said to the people as they were departing, they said, we must through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. You must trust God. Trust God's approach. We are going to talk more about this towards the end. You must trust God's approach. Put your trust in him. Even when you are going through tribulations, trust God in that tribulation. Put your trust in him. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There had no temptation, Taking you that is not common to man. He said, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He's trustworthy. He can be depended upon. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So we are going to face tribulations on the earth. However, God is faithful. God is to be trusted. God is trustworthy. He will not allow you to go through a, a, a tribulation, a trial that is greater than you. A trial that will, that will completely devastate you. And in that same trial, in that same temptation, that tribulation, he will make a way of escape. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he had to trust the Father. He put his trust in the Father. That what he was going through was something that was for mankind and that he was not going to be abandoned on the cross. No wonder the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling man to God. God was with Christ on the cross. He was not alone. Let me read Hebrews chapter, I think it's Hebrews chapter 13. About a, a, a promise of God that we must hold on to even when we are facing the challenges of life. 
uh, in verse 3, I think it is. Um, yeah, verse 5 rather. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Trust God's approach. When you are facing those challenges of life, remember that he said, I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. So we can say with all boldness, the Lord is my helper. What is it that man wants to do to me? There's nothing any man can do to me. God is the one who is there for me. So when you are living your faith out in, in, in your daily life, whatever situation comes to you, if you are a child of God, know that God is in control. It's not something that's going to devastate you or going to destroy you. No, God will, through that, that trial, that tribulation, deal, give you a way of escape. But he has prepared you for it. And he's strengthening you so that you'll be able to go through with it. And endure. We're going to we're going to look at that. Uh, I think somewhere in closing. So, if you are going to live your life out by faith, you must recognize that faith is can be risky, but it's a calculated risk. It's a good risk because your risk is in God, and God never fails. You must also never doubt the ability of God. Believe that everything that God says He can do, He can do. Don't allow anything to make you doubt Him. But in all of that, you must also recognize the sovereignty of God. That God is sovereign and he can do or not do. It is, it is up to him. We must also recognize that God has authority over everything. Everything. He has authority over everything. He has authority over everyone. He has authority over every situation. If he allows a situation, know that he already had you in mind by allowing it. He knows that that situation will not overwhelm you. Then you must trust the love of God. Trust his love. Know that he has the best for you. Even when you are going through trials and tribulations, he has the best for you. So you must trust God's approach. Part of God's approach is trial and tribulation. That is how he builds us up. We are going to see that later. So when you are going through life's, the, things, the events of life, always remember these things. God has ability, he can do whatever he wants to do. He's sovereign. He can stop it at any point in time. And he can allow it to go on. He has authority over every man. There is no man that God does not have authority over. So don't think that God doesn't have authority over you. No, he has authority over everyone. Trust him. He loves you. Trust him. His approach. Because he's not there to hurt you. In John chapter 9, we will not be reading it. The, the Lord Jesus Christ healed a blind man. And after the healing, the blind man had his uh, challenges with his Sanhedrin. And then he was booted out of the, the temple. Now after, the Lord Jesus knew what was going on, but he kept quiet. Now after the man was booted out, the Lord went to meet the man and asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man, the Son of God? He said, the, the blind man asked him, who, who is now saying? He said, who is he that I may believe? He said, oh, you are, you are looking at him. He's the one you are seeing, and he's the one who's speaking to you. He said, oh Lord, I believe. What am I trying to say here? Always recognize that faith is not just about um, miracles. But more importantly, faith 
or trusting God is for your salvation. Now, I, I find a very interesting thing these days. People are going to church not because they are putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, but they are going to church because they want to get something from God. They are willing to apply their faith to get a miracle. They are willing to ask God to do something for them, but they are not willing to, to trust him for their salvation in eternity. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 and following, the story of the Syrophoenician woman, she went to the Lord Jesus Christ for the um, uh, deliverance of her daughter from demonic oppression. Through uh, some bantering here and there, she finally got it. And then she left. Interestingly, that woman did not get salvation for herself. Nor did she trust God for salvation for her daughter. She just went for a miracle. And this is, very, this is, this is what I find today. That many people are believing God for a miracle. But they are not believing God for their salvation. And so many people who throng churches because pastors are interested in the number of people in their church. That is the sad truth. That pastors are the ones who are even guilty of these things. They just want you to keep coming. They want you to keep coming. So they foment all kinds of things. Talk about miracle here, miracle there, deliverance for this, healing for this. How do you want to talk about healing for God's children every day? You're not teaching them about the salvation. What will save their souls in eternity? You can be 100% healthy on the earth and go to hell. And you can be 100% decrepit here on the earth and go to heaven. What is important is your soul. So it is not just, faith is not just about, well, I want a miracle. You must put your faith in God for your salvation, for your eternal salvation. Now, this therefore means that there are some things that God may not give because it would impair your salvation, your ultimate salvation. If, for example, you come into large sums of money and you just go haywire in your mind and then you leave God, God is not likely to want to give you anything out of his love because he wants you with him in heaven. Always understand one thing, that as far as God is concerned, the most important thing is that you are there with him in eternity. That is what is important to him. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ said, what shall he profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet he loses his soul? Say, what is the value? How do you, what do you want to give in exchange for your soul? Is your soul worth more than the things, uh, is, is, is your soul less in value than the things that you're looking for? As far as God is concerned, your soul is more important than those things that you're looking for. Faith means that. You are trusting God for your salvation. And that trust for your salvation overrides whatever it is you are asking God for. Because God wants you with him, he may actually decline to do certain things for you. And I guarantee you one thing. Even if you don't know why while you are here on the earth, you will eventually know why when you meet with him. I think there's uh, something that says we will understand it better by and by. When we get there, we will understand so many things. But right now, we may not understand. However, it is faith to recognize that God wants you saved more than any other thing. So your salvation takes preeminence as far as God is concerned over what your desires may be. In Psalm 105, 
Psalm 105. Let me take time and read this. From verse 16 to 22, speaking about Joseph here. He says, Moreover, he, that is God, called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him Lord of his house and the ruler of all his possessions to build his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. The operational verse I want us to look at is until the time that his word came to pass. That is the word that God had spoken to Joseph until that time that the word came to pass. He said that same word of the Lord tested Joseph. Your faith in God will be tested of what sort it is. So you must understand one thing, that when you receive a word from God and you say, I believe God for this, more often than not, soon after you have expressed your trust in God, the circumstances surrounding that matter will change as though you didn't hear God correctly. You must put your trust in God. Why? That word has come to test whether you really believe in God. In Matthew chapter 13, whether you really believe the word of God. In Matthew chapter 13, talking about the parable of the sower, the Bible talks about uh, verse 20, I think it is, yes, verse 20 and 21. It speaks of the man with the stony heart. He said, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately, immediately he stumbles. You have heard that God say that I'm going to heal you. And then no sooner than you heard that word, you start feeling pain in one part of your body or the other. What are you supposed to do? Remember the woman with the issue of blood. She kept saying to herself, if only I can touch his cloth. You must keep saying, thus says the Lord to me, I am healed. I am healed. I know that this pain is here, but I know what God has said. I am healed. Why? The word of God will test you. This man that we read of in Matthew chapter 13, he failed he received the word of God with joy. That is how to receive the word of God. However, when he came to living it out, he stumbled and he fell. Your faith in God will be tested. Your faith in the word of God will be tested. That's why a lot of times after you've heard the word of God, it will seem as if when you look at the events surrounding you, that word is not, is not true. But that is where your faith is being tested. You are not, Satan wants you to doubt. Let me read in 1 Peter chapter 1. He was talking about the great promises, the great things that God has in store for those who have put their trust in him. In verse 6 it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, the genuineness, the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your faith in him will be tested. They want to check. Is this faith genuine? Is this guy really believing in us? Or he just wants the miracle and then he's off? Is your faith in God genuine? It is being tested in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
verse 12 to 16. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when he when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter. Whatever you are going through is nothing personal. It is because you believe the word of God. That is why your, your faith is now being tested. That You say you believe God, let's put it to the test. And Satan, Satan wants to test it. So let's put it to the test. Remember what the, what, what, what the Lord told Peter. He said, Satan has obtained permission to sift you as wheat. He wants to know he wants to prove to God that you are a failure. But in the name of Jesus, you will prove to God that you are not a failure. That you are not going to let go of the word of God. Remember, again, I've killed, I keep recounting. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. She kept saying, she kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of this garment. When these times of trial come, just remember the word that God has spoken to you and keep repeating it. Take it back to God in the place of prayer and keep reciting it. Thus says the Lord God to me that I shall be head and I shall not be tail. Thus says the Lord God to me, though I will suffer for a while, yet he will come and establish me. He will strengthen me. He will comfort me. He will settle me. You must keep saying these things. You must keep reciting the very word of faith. The Bible says, that with our hearts we believe and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This repeating is the confession that you are making. It may not be a one-time statement. It will be something you keep saying, something you keep saying, something that you keep declaring, you keep declaring. This is how faith works in application, especially when it is tried as by fire, when you are going through certain struggles in life. You must keep repeating it. You must keep repeating it and keep saying it until Satan will cover his ears and say, I don't want to hear again. I don't want to hear again. What kind of person is this? Look at what we are passing him through and see, he is still saying it. That is what Job did. After all the scratching and everything, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Yet will I praise him. Yet will I worship him. This is what we should be saying. Even if God would not give me that thing, I am still going to serve him. You should say it and let Satan hear. He would after a while say, Oh, I don't want to hear. No, 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 no. Give him, give him, give him, give him. Let me let him go. But you see, this is the problem. We don't leave this out practically. He said, We fall into despair. Some fall into depression. And sadly, some have committed suicide because they were not able to handle the things of God by faith. This is the practical life of faith. It is not that you are not going to face challenges. You will face challenges, but you will overcome them because you are able to overcome. The Bible says they overcame devil, the devil by the word, by, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto the death. So you say, even if it is death, I will not deny the Lord. I'm holding on to him. 
Satan will say, oh, what kind of people are these? That is what gives God joy. Say, look at, regardless of all that you have, that you have allowed me to, to allow this, my child, to go through. See what he's saying about me. He still loves me. He's still praising me. He's still rejoicing in me. He's still glorifying in me. In James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. The Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is he saying here? We he's saying, put your trust in God. Trust his procedure. That his procedure bears result. There's a result that, some, that God is looking for in the procedure of this trial, this tribulation that is coming there. He says, count it all joy. Rejoice. Be, be glad that you're even going through these kind of things. The Bible says that when the disciples were flogged, in the book of Acts, they went away rejoicing that they, be, they could be counted worthy of receiving strokes on behalf of the Lord. He says, why should we rejoice? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or perseverance or endurance. But let patience have its perfect work. Allow patience to be fully perfected in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God does not want you to lack anything. So, in living out your life by faith, you must trust God's procedure for the development of Christian virtues in you. Like patience. Like perseverance. Like um, endurance. Like character. In Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 1 so that we can get a fuller picture of what is being said. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In verse 3, which is where we're going to 3 and 4, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Do you see? God, when God wants to build us in perseverance, what does he do? He sends tribulation. That is his procedure for developing in us perseverance, developing in us patience, developing in us endurance. He sends that pressure, that tribulation, that trial. And that trial begins to build us up in perseverance build us up in endurance build us up in patience which is what james was saying he says let that patience let it have its complete work let its work be complete so that that way you yourself you will be total you'll be complete you'll be entire wanting nothing and that is what god wants so recognize that faith is not always about i want this i want that i want this i want that god also allows you to go through tests trials and tribulations so that he can develop skills in you. The athlete who is jogging, who is uh, waking up at 4 a.m. and doing so many things, he's building his, 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 his athletic muscles 
and endurance to be able to go a distance. You see a boxer running like a, a marathon, and you'll be wondering, but you are boxing. Why are you why are you running all over the place in the morning? It is endurance, so that when he is in the ring where he has to stand and be moving around and be and be and, and, be, and be jumping and, and you know jogging and everything all around the ring. He can last the entire time, even receiving punches now and again. So he goes through that drill for the fight that is ahead. There's a fight that is ahead of us. And God wants to build, develop in us these virtues of perseverance. If you are a Christian and you cannot endure hardship, you have not started. Your Christian work has not started. I think we mentioned that when we spoke about suffering. That is why it is important. That God train us. And then in verse 4, he says, and perseverance, character. We're talking of here, here of Christian excellence of character. Where we look at certain things and say, no, I, I'm not going to take a shortcut. Let this ride. And then, we, and then we let it go. We just endure. And we let it go. You are building up, God is building up character in you. And then character, hope. And in verse 5, he says, and this hope. He says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God to, to, towards us has revealed to us what God has in store for us. That he doesn't hate us. It is actually out of his love, out of his desire that we will be strong that he's sending these things our way. So this, this, all these challenges, when we face the challenges of life, we know that it is for our own good. It's not because God hates us. Because he actually loves us. And I'm concluding now. In Daniel chapter 3, we read about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who were confronted with having to bow before Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And they said to the king, who had threatened them, that unless they did it, he was going to throw them into the furnace of fire. They said, O king, we are not careful to answer you on this matter. The God whom we serve, he will deliver us. They were sure of God. And then they now said to him, just in case he doesn't deliver us, we want you to know that we are still not going to bow to your idol. So what are they saying? They say, whether I get the miracle or not, God is still God. And I'm going to serve God. Even though he slay me, I will still serve him. I will still praise him. And we saw how God came through. For them. They threw them into the fire. In fact, the Bible says that the people who threw them into the fire were burnt by the fire. But they who were in the fire were not touched by the fire. In fact, the Bible says that when they came out and they smelled, they didn't smell any sign that fire touched any part of them. And Nebuchadnezzar himself testified and said, wait a minute. Did we not throw three men into the fire? But I'm seeing four. And the fourth is as the son of God. I don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw the fourth man. But God opened the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar to see the Lord Jesus Christ pre-incarnate Christ, standing in that fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was there with them. The word of God can be trusted, can be depended upon. You may not know that God is with you in that trial, but I guarantee you, he is with you. I think it's in Psalm 63, Isaiah 63, verse 9 or so, where he said, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. There is nothing that you are going through, and I think we spoke of this when we, when we spoke about suffering, there's nothing you are going through in suffering, in hardship, that the Lord is not going through along with you. He was there.
for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He came through for them. He will come through for you. What you must understand is that you must not allow yourself as you live for God on a daily basis to be, to be sidelined by the, 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 the tricks of Satan into wanting to say, look, look at what you are going through and you say that you are serving God. God does not love you, Joe. He loves you. I keep emphasizing it. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Don't make the mistake. You may not feel him. Faith is not by feeling. The Bible says that faith, we, 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 we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not by sensing. It's not by, those people say, I sense the anointing, I feel the anointing. Don't worry, those are just cliches. It has no meaning in scripture. We know. We don't feel anything. We know. Paul was writing in Romans chapter 8 verse 20. He says, and we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and them that are the called according to his purpose. If you are a child of God, you have been called according to his purpose. And I expect that you love God. So no matter what happens, know that all things work together for good for you. When a woman goes to the market, she picks up all manner of ingredients. Those ingredients by themselves, some of them raw meat, pepper, tomatoes, and all those kind of things. They are just raw. They have no use by themselves. But when they are all mixed together in the pot, it comes out with a wonderful savor of smelling soup that we want to apply our pounded yam or a bato and begin to, to, to gobble. But they were mixed. That is how it is. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all mixed, work, will work together for your good. So don't ever forget that even when you are facing the challenges of life, it is working together for you. All those things, they're working together for you. What others are saying, look at him. He says he's serving God. Nobody's even looking at him. That thing is working for your good. It's working for your good, guaranteed. In Daniel chapter 6, the Bible tells us about how Daniel refusing to, to be bribed or for the king to suffer a loss. They plotted against him to have him destroyed. They, they said, they went to the king and told the king, don't let anybody pray to any god except to you. And the king, not understanding what they were doing, agreed and signed the decree of the Chaldeans, that, uh, the, the, the decree of the Medes and the Persians that was, not, that was irreversible. And so when they, when they arrested Daniel, they took him into um, the lion's den and cast him there, expecting that the lions would eat him up. But God was with him, and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they couldn't eat him. Remember, God has authority over everything and everyone. He has authority over the animals. He can shut the mouth of the lions. He can protect you, even when people would expect that you'll be consumed. Remember, a snake lashed onto Saul, onto, onto Paul, probably even beat him. In fact, that's what he was fasting, beat him. And the people were waiting to see Paul swell. He just shook the thing off and he continued to do what he was doing. Remember what the Lord Jesus said. He said, those of us who receive him, who are baptized, who believe and are baptized, he said, we shall speak with tongues. He says, though we, 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 though we take up poison, it will not harm us. I know some people who they will now play with snakes. Nobody's asking you to go and play with snakes. But should it happen for any reason that you are beaten, put your trust in God. And he will kill you. He will come through. If you need to go to hospital, maybe your faith is not strong enough and you want to go to hospital, I don't, I, don't, I don't stop you from doing that. But what if you are in a place where you can never get to a hospital? Put your trust in God and he will come through for you. 
So Daniel trusted in God and God came through for him. What is it that you are going through in life? Just put your trust in him. Don't look at men. Don't look at people. Put your trust in God. I'm concluding by saying to you, and I want to summarize now, trust God. Absolutely trust him. You see, when you trust someone, you are depending on that person. You are not going to let that person go and hold on to something else. One of the key challenges that we have when it comes to faith is the challenge of having an alternative. And so when God wants us wants to uh, build us up in faith, he removes those alternatives and we say, oh, there's nobody to help us, but God is there. And God is saying, let it be me and me alone. So trust God. Know that he loves you. Don't forget it. Recognize his sovereignty, his ability, his authority. Accept his judgment. Accept, know that he knows more than you. I, I want to give an illustration. Let's say you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are standing on the ground floor of a building and there's somebody else on the 25th floor of that building and the fellow on the 25th floor calls you and says, man, don't step out of the house. There's something happening on such and such a street. I expect that you will trust that person because there's something he's seeing which you can't see. That is how it is. God is not just standing on the 24th floor of a building. God sees everything. And so when he says to you, do it like this, it is because he has seen the outcome of what would happen if you do it the way he says you should do it. Even if people will laugh at you, do it. Remember, faith is risky. When I say risky, people will laugh at you. People will make fun of you for trusting in God. But those same people are the ones who come and rejoice with you when they see the glory of God in your life. So trust God. Know that he loves you. Know that he does not want to hurt you. Know that his discipline is for your good. Recognize his sovereignty. Recognize his authority. Recognize his ability. Accept his judgment. Accept his approach. Accept his discipline. This, my brothers and sisters, is faith in application. And by the grace of God, until we meet again, I challenge you, put your faith in God. Put your trust in him. Put your dependence on him. Put your reliance on God. Believe him. Believe his word. And live according to that. God bless you.